Hi, parents. November is traditionally, for me anyway, a very melancholic month. And I suppose it's just because it's the month of remembrance. And that's why really I've had a bit of a focus on grief and bereavement and loss this month. And as many of you know, I actually interviewed Julia Samuel, a previous podcast guest at the Sandpit Theatre in St Albans. And I just wanted to sort of reflect on that and share some of my best resources that I've created around supporting children and young people around grief. As we know, every 22 minutes, a parent of a dependent child will die in the UK. 70% of schools will have a bereaved pupil on their role at any given time. And we know that 92%, most young people, will experience a significant bereavement before the age of 16. It's extremely important, I think, from what I've learned, is that culturally we we struggle to talk about death. And I've really learned and certainly had that validated by my experience of interviewing Julia Samuel um, last night at the Sandpit Theatre. We have to have these conversations very much as a preemptive strike, which, as you know, I'm very fond of in parenting. So it is now when your children are happy and well and grandma or grandpa haven't passed away or nothing is untoward, nothing has happened in family life. It's a good time to have the conversations then about death, about what it means to die and to really model an approach that is not scary. And I think children, especially in the younger ages, they are watching us. They're watching how we respond to the things that happen around us. So if you're in the unfortunate position of having a partner who's poorly, very, very poorly, or, or, or a family member that you know may pass away soon, it's extremely important in that pre-bereavement stage to prepare children well. What does that mean? It means that we, like in all of my work in parenting, again, the message that is echoed is to be open to be honest, to be your authentic self with children. Grandma is poorly. We might think, you know, we think she might die soon, but we don't know when. Always ask children what they're worried about. And as Julia said last night, what's your top worry? Never be afraid to ask them what they're worried about. And children are so innovative. They will always come up with solutions to how things can be better. And Julia shared some very touching anecdotes last night about a 14 year old that she works with whose mother is very very poorly with a terminal illness and he is creating music playlists for her and being proactive in that pre-bereavement stage so to always with children who are preparing to grieve who you're you know you're trying to protect them from death but that's not going to happen we need to have the conversations prepare them in advance even to the point of the detail of funerals, it's important that children understand what is a funeral? What happens at a funeral? Where will it be held? What will happen during the funeral? What role can I play? And as Julia said uh, very uh, vividly last night, never force a child to participate in a funeral ceremony, but it's important to ask them what they'd like to do. And that kind of detail is very important in terms of children's psychology and their future resilience looking back on these pivotal events and life-changing experiences of death. So I think that I love that detail that she gives down to whether or not it's appropriate for a child to touch the body or et cetera, et cetera. So I think it's very important. I've taken from it, just get stuck into those brave conversations. 
And I've taken that literally in my own parenting by, you know, there are no hopefully imminent deaths in our family, but I've taken my children to a graveyard recently on purpose. We've talked about what it means to die, what might be happening, how I, and I modelled obviously that I wasn't scared of it, that I, it's just like being asleep. And of course, my 13 year old responded with, well, I don't like being asleep. And that's absolutely fine. Just let them be with their emotions. Obviously, it's very difficult for us to absorb you know, the finality of death, etc. And we obviously know a lot more than they do, but it is terribly important to model that you're not afraid. I think it's one of the greatest things that you can do for your children. There will be small bereavements in their life. The loss of the pet hamster is an opportunity to teach children about death. And the ceremony and ritual that accompanies death is terribly important for their psychology later on. In the days and months following death, Again, so if you think about pre-bereavement, it's very helpful. If you think about the actual ceremony, the funeral, the ritual, and how children can participate in that is very important. And then following death, what I'm very interested in, if a child has lost a parent, say we know that teachers, you know, who are struggling to manage a class of 30 children, they might have a number of grieving children in that classroom. They need to be signposted to great resources. And hopefully you'll find in the resources that accompany this podcast, uh, you'll find good advice for teachers. So in terms of returning to school, don't expect children to get over it quickly. Don't expect children to behave the same way following a bereavement. Don't expect any predictable patterns of grief. Be patient with them. Don't expect them to counsel or comfort you, the teacher, and don't protect them from bad news. Be literal, be plain, be simple in your language, and children are much more likely to be respond to that. Whatever children don't know, they will imagine. So just being consistent as a teacher, a lovely, lovely tip that I picked up last night from my event with Julia is allow that child to give you a message in the class if they're not coping, if they feel like something has upset them or triggered their grief. And that might be handing the teacher a little piece of Lego. That might be the secret signal that I I need to leave the classroom. Those little things go a very long way with children. If you are supporting a child at home whose parent has died, It is extremely important to remember Julia's phrase that children will jump in and out of puddles. That's the way grief works. One minute they'll be crying. One minute they'll be out skipping and laughing with their friends. The rhythm of grief is very typical like that. Always use appropriate language. No vagaries. You know, gone to heaven, as Julia says, that could be down the coffee shop as far as a four, five, six, seven-year-old is concerned. So making sure, you know, that they know that that person will not be returning is very important in case they sort of expect them to. So don't be afraid to use the word dead and avoid using euphemistic language such as gone far away, in another room, lost, because children can misinterpret, young children uh, misinterpret those words which can create confusion. Remember in the post bereavement, sorry, in in the phase beyond the funeral, etc., the months and perhaps year that follows. Children need a place to land their emotions. So it might be thinking about a little spot in the house where they think about the person who's passed away, a memory box, a jar that they can put their worries in, things to celebrate, things that daddy or mommy used to say, lovely memories. 
And as Julia suggested last night, a lovely idea is to walk together regularly. It might be an allocated time on a Sunday where you walk together and you share all those lovely memories. So those tips, I think, are very, very helpful and things that we have to sort of confidently apply in our parenting when we're managing the grief of children. I think it's important that all of us know, no matter whether we're parents, professionals, teachers, GPs, you must know organisations that you can refer people to. And certainly last night at the Sandpit Theatre, it was extremely poignant and sad and traumatic to hear of people who've experienced some, you know, very traumatic grief and loss to things like suicide, etc, etc. But it's heartening to see the amazing organisations that are out there. But we really need to signpost parents and professionals to them and young people and children. So I've collated what I think is an extremely comprehensive list of grief support organisations that you can download next to this podcast. If anything is missing, tell me and I will add it very, very easily. So take, for example, in terms of supporting children, we've got the Marie Curie She's got a lovely, Marie Curie has a a lovely PDF to download that I've highlighted in my list about questions children will ask and how to respond to them, which I thought was great. Winston's Wish, you may have heard about, as a sort of a moderated forum where children can talk about bereavement. We have Maggie Centres, which you may have heard of, and of course the amazing charity Child Bereavement UK, one of the big ones that Julia Samuel was the, the, the initiating uh, patron of that. The, you know, those are very, very important organisations for children. The other thing that I discovered is there are very specific bereavement support services depending on your cultural or religious identity. For example, we've got Muslim bereavement support services, Jewish bereavement support services. There are uh, services that support war widows, parents who've lost children to stillbirth, survivors of bereavement by suicide. There is a place, there is a community of other people in your situation. Uh, there's even a, uh, a lovely organisation called Widowed and Young for people under 50 who've lost a partner. And it is in those places that you will find a sense of community and support. So it's terribly important um, that we know about these organisations, perhaps in advance of anything traumatic occurring. Also for teenagers, well, teenagers, you know, can really have the parallel difficulties of moving through adolescence and trying to cope with grief at the same time. But there are some lovely organisations. Rip Rap is an amazing organisation that's actually run by specialist cancer nurses for teenagers who have a parent with cancer. Hope Again, which is Cruise's uh, website for young people. Canteen is another one. Again, you know, often young people may not want to speak to you about the loss of their other parent, but they will speak to other young people. And obviously, if anyone's listening to this and they feel themselves as an adult unable to cope or manage, remember, just look through this list and try and find uh, something that's meaningful. All of those organisations practically have helplines and don't be afraid to ring those helplines. I think they are there for you. There are people on the other end of those phones who are always willing to listen. So I'm hoping that with my uh, resource lists that I've added to accompany this podcast, you'll have plenty 
of information and do feel free to circulate it to colleagues and friends. Thank you so much for listening. This Get a Grip podcast is brought to you by Tooled Up Education, the home of evidence-based tips on parenting, family life and education. www.tooledupeducation.com Parents and teachers in Tooled Up schools can also access notes accompanying each podcast available to read and download from the Tooled Up site.